this is just the best piece of advice I want to make sure people understand. Do not fake it until you make it. That is the worst advice you will ever get. Be genuine, be honest, be transparent. Most importantly, just be you. That's what people who are going to grow to know, like, and trust you want. So give them that. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast, where today I'm delighted to welcome John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire to the show. Entrepreneur on Fire has had over 100 million listens to date and gets 1.4 million listens per month. They've had over 3,000 guests, including Tony Robbins, Seth Godin, Gary Vee, and Tim Ferriss. You might have heard of at least one of those. John is on the show to tell us about his story, the incredible growth of his podcast, and also to tell us about his new book, which is launching called The Common Path to Uncommon Success. So I'm really, really excited. The guy is full of energy. He's coming from Puerto Rico. So without further ado, John, how's it going? Puerto Rico in the house. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. I am fired up to be here, brother. Ah, I like what you did there with the old uh, fire. You should use that in your brand more. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do on this show, John, is we go back to a point in your past that serves as a kicking off point for your entrepreneurial journey. A point of struggle, maybe a point of conflict, but the point where you became a boss from being bossed. Have you got a point in mind? If so, could you paint us a word picture? I'll paint, I'll paint you a little picture right here because uh, you know I did four years in the army and then after I got out I spent six years of struggle failing 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 dropping out of law school quitting corporate finance doing all the all the wrong things having no success but at 32 years old I read one passage specifically a quote in a book that changed everything it was my launching point Albert Einstein said try not to become a person of success but rather a person of value. And I'll tell you, I looked in the mirror and I said, what am I doing that's adding value to this world? The answer was literally nothing. And I decided it all had to change. And that planted the idea, the seed that began to germinate over time that turned into entrepreneurs on fire. Not overnight, not over a week or a month, but over time, it germinated into this concept, this idea of a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And as you mentioned, we're now over 3,000 episodes, 100 million listens, 1.4 million listens a month. And the best part, we've made over $20 million to date. Fantastic. And okay, so starting a podcast. Um, so let me let me get, figure it out. So you got your microphone, got your headset and called up Tony Robbins. Boom, we, we're good to go. Best selling podcast, <laughs> day one. No, no slipping around, no slurring. Is that how it worked? That's exactly how it worked. Tony was at my beck and call from day one. It was the opposite. I got nine no's for every one yes I was able to scrape up. And that was for a daily podcast. I needed 30 yeses a month. So you can see how many no's I had to get to get the 30 yeses. So I just went to the well over and over again. I used LinkedIn. I used Facebook. Probably my best strategy, to be honest, was I typed in Google, best entrepreneur conferences. And I just scraped the list of all the speakers at those conferences and just pitched them, pitched them, pitched them. And I was, you know, my pitch essentially was, hey, if you're willing to fly cross country, stay in a crappy hotel for a couple of days, <laughs> speak in front of 45, 45 people live, 
what do you think about coming on my podcast with no pants on? Because there were audio only. Like, you don't need pants. No pants needed. You can have a cup of coffee in your bathrobe. No big deal. So pants was the main selling point. No, no pants was the main selling point. People right. don't like wearing pants. I'm not wearing pants right now. Okay. That's cool. You sound different. <laughs> Freer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, um, how successful was this strategy? It was very successful. You know, I got nine no's for every yes, but I was able to ask hundreds and hundreds of people every single week to get the yeses that I needed. And slowly but surely, the yeses turned into two out of 10, three out of 10. And then I got lucky with a couple of big names like Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin. And those yeses even got easier and easier. And before I knew it, you know, I say before I knew it, you know, 18 months later, I hit the tipping point where I was getting as many requests as I was having um, interviews open for my show. And next thing I knew, I was uh, rocking and rolling at episode, what would that be? A year and a half, like 500. So, I, but, but a year and a half, I was like at episode 500, hitting the tipping point, making things happen, and uh, getting guests knocking down my door for the first time. But again, not overnight, not over a month, over a year and a half. Phenomenal, phenomenal, and and you know the, the the persistence and value, like you said, the the Einstein quote, you're putting value out um, through leveraging the experience and and expertise of the guests, and and I imagine learning incredibly rapidly. So you're recording, you're putting out these the, this content with these amazing guests. That's only one part of the puzzle, right? Like, how are you then? How are people finding out about your podcast then and now? How how is the growth happening from that? So the growth was happening is, it was 2012. There weren't a ton of podcasts out there. So if you were a business podcast cranking out quantity, I wasn't cranking out quality at that time. I tried my best, but I just wasn't good. But I was cranking out quantity, a lot of episodes, you're going to get noticed. And when you do a daily show with successful entrepreneurs, they have one thing in common, followers, people who are their fans people who consume their content. So every single day, my guest whose interview went live would get an email from me that would say, hey, Joe, your interview just went live. You rocked the mic. You dropped value bombs. You shared your worst entrepreneurial moments, which you told me you've never shared before. Here's all the links to share this episode, this interview with your audience. Have at it. And not all of them, but a lot of them shared. Like for instance, Seth Godin talked about for the first time, the fact that he got arrested on the AOL campus. Pretty interesting. And guess what? Slowly but surely, these fans and followers of my guests were like, oh, I didn't even know there was a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And that host isn't very good, but he brings on good guests. So let's listen. Let's subscribe. Let's, let's become listeners. Let's become part of Fire Nation. And step by step, slowly but surely, I built that audience. Phenomenal. And so how did that strategy evolve over time? It didn't really evolve. Because that same email went out today that I sent back in 2012. I still let my guests know that, hey, you just dropped value bombs when I interviewed you. You shared a lot of great content. Here's all the links to share with your audience if you want to do that. And guess what? Now, 3,000 plus episodes later, I'm actually a decent host. So the interviews are great most of the time. And they do want to share the shows because they're great interviews. So that's kind of the only thing that's really evolved, I guess, would be my skill set, which frankly, if I can't get a little bit better after 3,000 episodes, 
I am definitely doing the wrong thing. At what point did you start paying close attention to how you sound in terms of your equipment? And what equipment are you rocking today as you come over with your velvety tones to my listeners and I sound like a um, a lawnmower by, by comparison? I mean, you said it, not me. But I will say that this <laughs> microphone that I am speaking into right now is the same microphone I recorded episode one of Entrepreneurs on Fire on. I just haven't upgraded. I haven't needed to change. I did go big at the beginning. I spent 325 bucks, which was a lot of money to me at the time, on the Heil PR40. It's a broadcast audio quality mic, high, high audio quality mic. And it's just done the job for me. I mean, this is actually the same boom arm that I bought day one. It's literally gone for me from Maine to San Diego, uh, back to Maine, to multiple other places within San Diego that I lived because we moved a couple times out to Puerto Rico to my first place, now to my second place, which is our home. So, I mean, I just uh, bought great equipment day one and have stuck with it ever since. And so it's just microphone into the computer. You got compressors or, or some other stuff going that on. That is there. one thing I upgraded. So I've always had a mixer and I always for eight and a half years, almost nine years, um, used the um, Personas Fire Studio mixer. And the thing just kind of conked out on me. It finally conked out like after eight and a half years. And so I picked up the Rodecaster Pro, which is right in front of me right here. And the Rodecaster Pro is a fantastic mixer. I have nothing but great things to say about it. Amazing. Is that, that that's quite a, an intuitive one, right? Nice colors and, and big buttons oh, yeah. for sort of fist bumping and stuff. You show video to your listeners? Uh yeah, but it's a separate a separate kind of show. So we can definitely do that. Oh, look at that sexy thing. That's it. it's like a Christmas tree right in microphone. All you non-video nice. people just really missed out. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. There's a little bit of John's crotch as well as he sort of, you know, scrolled down on the camera as well. So Oh yeah, big crotch. crotch I have no yeah, yeah, crotch up. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> definitely more reasons to watch the video, right? Clickbait. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Clickbait. John's crotch on fire. That should be the title of the episode. <laughs> should get that looked at. <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, I mean, you, you've, you've had these incredible um, listeners. At what point did you start doing the revenue reports? Because one of the things I'm sure a lot of people like I certainly love about your show is that you're very, very transparent with your revenue reports. Um, at what point did you think, right, I owe it to everybody to, to be very transparent about this? And what was the thinking behind that? Back in 2012, early, way before I launched the podcast, I was like, eh, I won't do this online internet marketing thing because everybody that makes money online scammy and sleazy, and I don't want to be involved with that. Then I came across Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income, and this dude was publishing monthly income reports. He was making real money. He was a cool family dude, just doing his thing, loving life, providing real value. And I was like, that's inspiring. And I said to myself, if I ever make money, which at that time I was very, you know, it was up in the air if I was going to ever make money online. But I'm like, if I ever do, I'm doing that. Like I want to share people, share with people the ups, the downs, the successes, the failures. I want to give people inspiration and hope and guidance in the areas that you can generate revenue with your business. So it was definitely not something I started doing when I first launched a podcast because spoiler alerts, I didn't make any money for a long time. Like literally my first ever income report I did was a 12 month income report. All the months combined for my first 12 months where I brought in 27,000, which isn't horrible, 
but it, you know, wasn't anything I could, you know, I didn't want to like release like $3,000 a month or $2,100 a month income reports. Like I was going to wait till yeah. I at least got a little bit better. Luckily at month 13, I kind of found that financial switch. And that was the first month that we did over $100,000 in net revenue, not just gross, but net revenue. And as you and I are talking right now, we have done nine zero, 90 months in a row of over $100,000 of net revenue. Phenomenal. And so you, you, you dangled the switch. What was the switch that you found? I found the switch, which was asking my audience, Fire Nation, who I had spent 12 months building, what is your biggest struggle right now? They told me their answer. A lot of their answers made no sense. Some of the answers I was able to put together and say, okay, I can create a solution for that. And that solution was the struggle of, well, John, I love how you're sharing your voice and your message with the world. I'm passionate about boxing or knitting or music or fitness, and I want to start my podcast. All right, Podcasters Paradise, here we come. A launch Podcasters Paradise. And to date, we brought in over $7 million and over 6,000 members and uh, the best decision I ever made. Amazing. All right, so... I mean, incredible journey, incredible story. Uh, you've you've grown, your guests have grown, and there aren't many entrepreneurs that haven't heard of you. Just the one, the entrepreneurs running a digital business without the internet. I think probably that that small niche audience, which we probably don't need to worry about so much. <laughs> um, so so you you've dominated the audio waves, but recently you've decided that you want to dominate the the written waves. It breaks down there a little bit. The analogy, yeah, you almost got um, there, but you just could yeah, not yeah. finish that bridge. You're, you're a cracking host. You want to be a cracking author. There we go. Um, you've got a book coming up. Tell us about the book. So listen, back in 2012, I did not have a book to write. I was clueless. I was an unsuccessful human being, let alone entrepreneur. At five years in, I was kind of getting my footing. I was into my, my you know third or fourth year of running a multi-million dollar media empire that was still growing, but I had a lot to learn. But it was really towards the end of 2019 where I sat down and I said, okay, 3,000 interviews. Let's just kind of download mentally like onto a, onto a page, a written page. Like what are the commonalities that all of these successful entrepreneurs have? And after I put them all down and crossed out the similar ones and combined them together, like there was 17 core principles that every single entrepreneur who has achieved uncommon success possesses. And I looked down and I'm like, this is actually a roadmap. Like this is literally a step-by-step -step roadmap. So I arranged it chronologically and I said, there's a book here. There's actually a 17-step roadmap. That means there's a 17-chapter book right here in front of me. It's time to write this book. And so I spent all of 2020, my little quarantine time down here in Puerto Rico, the first two hours of every day I wrote for eight months, 480 writing hours i spent writing this puppy right here the common path to oh success. there it is this is A real copy Seventy-one thousand words 273 pages a beast of a book because it's so packed with value and it is the common path to uncommon success it is your 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment period you're speechless. Away a little bit. Absolutely speechless. 
So, so first up, you know, I've written my own book. Hats off to anybody that writes a book and gets it published because that's, you know, you have done an amazing half job. Half job. <laughs> now the other half, right, now the other half job is actually getting it out there, right? That, that's the second half of the journey. But like that first half is still phenomenally difficult. It takes a lot of, ah, I could just stop now. I could just, I mean, in your case, I could just go surfing or something, right? And you, you persevered, you had that passion. Um, you're, you're obviously very, very excited about the book. Where is it that people can get their hands on the book? When does it drop? When when can they, you know, stop teasing already? Like, well, the book, the book will be everywhere on March 23rd in all bookstores. However, I have unbelievably insane, mentally insane bonuses for people who take action and pre-order this book. Pre-orders are everything. So I've made it such a no-brainer for you to pre-order this book. Literally the moment I stop talking. So just for one single pre-order, I am literally shipping all three of my journals. My Freedom Journal, Accomplish Your Number One Goal in 100 Days. My Mastery Journal, Master Productivity, Discipline, and Focus in 100 Days. And my Podcast Journal, which is Creating a Podcast in 50 Days. I'm shipping them to your door for free. That's if you're in the United States. Outside the US, I'm immediately emailing you our beautiful digital packs of all three of these journals. And plus there's four other insanely awesome bonuses, which I won't spoil for you now, but you can learn more about the book. See my endorsements from Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Neil Patel, Dory Clark, Eric and Mandy, and all the other bonuses and all the other stuff that we have there. The first chapter is for free at this page as well. So you can kind of see my style writing and, and just how much value this book holds for you. UncommonSuccessBook.com. UncommonSuccessBook.com. Boom. UncommonSuccessBook.com. And there are tons of bonuses. I pre-ordered it myself. I went for the audio version. As John said, it is everywhere. And did, did you do the audio version yourself? I just finished the final chapter like three days ago. It feels good. That's, that's not a small task either. How no. did you break that up? <laughs> Uh, my goal is to do two chapters a day, but a couple of the chapters were beasts. One of the chapters was 13,500 words. That one took a few days. And what uh, what happened when you messed up, right? Like, because you, you're reading it, you, you, you like skip a word, you say something wrong. Did you did you redo it? Like, how? what's your strategy there? I've gotten fantastic at editing my own podcast over the years. So it looks like Swiss cheese if you looked at the actual audio file, like, I messed up a thousand times over those 13,500 words and I just had to edit them out. I mean, it was a laborious, laborious project. I don't think I've ever said the word laborious before, but I <laughs> just said it twice. twice. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, all that pain, all that sweat equity and everything to, to put out this, this masterpiece to the, to the world, this, this value bomb, this, this, I mean, if you're standing on the shoulders of giants and, and tapping into 20 years of experience every time you read a book or listen to a, a guest, if you're then listening or reading a book that has an amalgamation of 3,000 guests worth of experience of 20 years ago, you do the math, right? You do the math. That's uh, well worth it or it's going to be less than right? depending on or wherever you get $16 on Kindle, $26 for those hardcover people, which I love you guys. You're amazing. Make it happen. Beautiful beautiful all right so the what was it the uncommon success book yeah no right? the uncommon no, the. success brilliant one 
what is the question, John, that I should ask you, haven't asked you, that you feel would give the most value to the audience right now? Listen, this is just the best piece of advice I want to make sure people understand. Do not fake it until you make it. That is the worst advice you will ever get. Be genuine, be honest, be transparent. Most importantly, just be you. That's what people who are going to grow to know, like, and trust you want. So give them that. Amazing. Right, John, at this point in the show, we like to go into the rapid fire question round. I ask the questions quickly. You can take as long as you want to answer them. No dilly dallying allowed, but we're looking for value. Are you up for that? I am. And I want to respect the rapid part of this. Sweet. Are you two thumbs up for that? Two thumbs up. Let's see, them. Let's see those thumbs. All right. Question number one. If you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? I would make my money by providing the best solution to a real problem, period. Boom. What's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make? Faking it till they make it. I said it once. I'm going to say it again. Be genuine. Be you. Who is the greatest leader or a great leader, alive or dead, and why? Benjamin Franklin. He was our consulate to France back in the day, and he just understood what it was like and, and, and how to actually, what I should say is he knew how to successfully compromise. The art of compromise is really tough. He was amazing and a great leader as a result because of that. Nice. How do you hire top talent? You create the best products and services and they're attracted to you. How do you evaluate a good business deal? Is it the best solution to an actual problem in this world? If it's the second best solution, it's not a good business deal. So let's delve into that. So, how, so you, if it's a good, a good deal, um, it, in your mind, if it's a, it's a good deal, if it's a, a sort of a real solution to the world, and then what you're just, you're all in. You're, it doesn't have to be like good terms on that deal for you. It also has to align with my strengths. Like, what else can I bring of value to this deal? Is it in an area where I can, you know, shine some light because of my audience, because of my followers? Do I have some actual skills or knowledge or experience that are going to help with this? If the answer is yes, then it's much more attractive. If, if it's no, then it's unlikely that attractive. How do you identify a good business partner? Somebody who is willing to take criticism and who is willing to compromise on you know, some things that they may feel very different about. I've never seen a partnership that hasn't come to a really big decision where both partners just frankly disagree with each other fundamentally. And they either break at that point or they both find a way to compromise to move forward. Nice. What is one of your proudest moments? Holding the common path to uncommon success in my hands, knowing that it would soon be available for others to do the same. What's one interesting fact about you that not many people would know? I want a car on The Price is Right, which is an American game show. Can we find that on YouTube or anywhere? Yeah, it's on my About Me page too. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So a few people might know about it. I mean, Yeah, I mean, you know, most people don't ever do any real research, so. <laughs> what daily routines do you have, whether it's morning or evening, that have helped you make you more successful? Morning is taking my dog for a walk to get outside, breathe the air, see the blue skies, and then get in the gym, stretch, exercise, sauna. Um, and of course, hydrate very well. What book or books have changed your mindset or life? 
The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson and The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Those are two books that made me understand the power of doing the small things right. I love the uh, compound effect. Listeners of the show uh, will know my own book, 1% Secret. Absolutely believe fully in, in, in that. Oh, compounding, compounding effects of doing things right, lots of little things right, and all, all at the same time. Anyway, what's the most exciting question you spend time thinking about? What's something I've changed my mind about in the last six months? Can you expand on that? What is something that I used to believe in that I no longer believe in? And why is that an important question to ask? Because it's important to know how people are thinking, what they're changing their mind about, and why. What advice would you give your younger self? To chill out. I think every person always thinks that whatever age they are is like, now's the time I need to be a success or be working hard or be doing this or be doing that. Things will come. Just chill out. Just chill out. What was your biggest challenge starting in business and how did you overcome it? The imposter syndrome, just thinking that I wasn't good enough or that, you know, who would or should listen to me. Just the common doubts and fears that all human beings have. What unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? Four Sigmatic coffee. It's mushroom coffee. Drink it up. Love that. And then final question. What makes you happiest? Freedom. What does freedom bring you? Freedom. Freedom brings me freedom. And that's what I want in life. John, you are succinct, concise, and concentrated like a man that spends a lot of time on air dropping value efficiently. I've really, really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to enrich our audience with your wealth of experience. Tell us about your your growth and your backgrounds and generally dropping value, bringing the heat, bringing the fire to our audience today. Much appreciated. Thank you. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.